Got to tell you about those relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. They are the highest awarded topical brand in all of Colorado. They prioritize quality and consistency to make creams that will help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing. And most importantly, above all, that's not going to stain your sheets or clothes. It's not greasy like that, but you can find it at your local light shade dispensary. There's 11 in the Denver metro area. They got a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now guess what? You can get 25% off all non-sale items with code DNVR. You listen to this for free and we're still going to give you some great discounts. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup when you use code DNVR or visit a Lightshade location near you. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. Brought to you, of course, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up. and You can turn that $5 bet on the NBA playoffs into $150 in free bets if you pick a winner. It's that simple. Today on the post-game wrap-up, on the day after, if you want to see our full-length episode that is available now as a podcast, it dropped just before this one. You can watch the show, of course, on the DNBR Sports channel over there on YouTube where we previewed the game, the series, talked about the NL West. But right now, we're going to recap Tuesday night's game 10-2. Washington Nationals take the first game of the three-game series in our preview, of course, we all agreed. Myself, Susie Hunter, as well as Kevin Henry from Rock's Pile said, it's very hard to sweep. We know this, even though the Rockies were able to do it against the Reds. To do it in back-to-back series, even against teams this bad, I don't even think a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers is, is capable of something like that. Can't guarantee that. And of course, here in the first game, Rockies lose 10-2, as I mentioned. Not a... Very good start. Not a very good look for Hermen Marquez. Really struggled throughout the night. Made a couple bad pitches. I'll give you his stats in a second. But the turning point of the game, you could probably say, was in that third inning where Josh Bell hits the three-run home run the opposite way. But something happened even before that somewhat subtly, if you will. A Play was overturned. It was a hit-by-pitch against Cesar Hernandez. It was originally ruled a ball, uh, actually a wild pitch at that point, but the play was under review, and they found that, yeah, the ball did just barely get a piece of the fabric on Cesar Hernandez's pants, so he goes to first base to continue the inning. Soto strikes out. He avoids the damage there, and you think, okay, here we go. He's going to bear down and get this thing going, but no, Bell hits the three-run home run. They also score one in the fourth. In the fifth, Juan Soto really puts the final nail in the coffin with the solo home run. At that point in the fifth, it is now 5-1, to one, and the Rockies' bats were really off balance. They only had three point, uh, three hits excuse me, uh, through the fifth inning there, and it was uh, a hard night. It was a cold night at the ballpark. Only about 20,000 ended up showing up. Marquez, for his efforts, gets the loss. Five innings pitched, 10 hits, seven runs, seven earned runs, two walks, and two home runs. It was a season-high 10 hits. He also gave up that many against the Cubs here at home. He's now allowed 38 hits through his first five starts of the season, the most by a Rockies starter through their first five starts of a season since 
Chris Russon had allowed 41 in 2016. Right now, those 38 hits have come in 113 at-bats, so that means opponents are hitting well over 300. 336 against him, highest batting average amongst uh, qualified starters in Major League Baseball right now. He has a 6.92 ERA, second highest in MLB amongst all qualified starters. And if you take out that initial start against the Dodgers there in game two at home, which was seven innings, one earned run, he has an even nine ERA, 19 innings pitched, 19 earned runs. On Wednesday's show at noon, Susie and I are going to talk about Herman Marquez. What What's the issue with him? We talked with Bud Black. We talked with his catcher, Elias Diaz, and yes, of course, we talked with Herman himself, and so we're going to try to break that down, figure it out. I don't know that we're going to solve any problems, but we certainly can figure out where he's going wrong. What's been the issue for these four starts, and is it something that he could quite possibly fix? Only threw 77 pitches, 53 for strikes, did get six ground outs, so when he was getting the outs, it was on the ground, only one fly out. But overall, four consecutive bad starts here for Herman, and that can happen for two or three in a row. But for a player of his caliber, a pitcher of his caliber, it seems rather strange. Now, before the game, Garrett Hampson was activated from the 10-day IL. If you're keeping tabs on the isotopes, he did go four for 10 down there in Albuquerque. He did come into this game late, played some shortstop in the ninth. Might not see as many of those defensive changes as we saw in the first month of the season because there just isn't that additional bench right now. Rockies and and many other teams are only going with three players on their bench. In the past, it was four, but hey, that fourth guy, he's now going to be the DH. And so that's what we saw Connor Joe as the DH on Tuesday night. Doesn't get a hit, does draw a walk there on the third, sets the table in the third inning, as I mentioned, and does eventually come around to score on a fielder's choice by Randall Grichik. He had a hit in his first at-bat. Charlie Blackman also was able to single. Elias Diaz had himself a single. Sam Hilliard, a nice little double there, and the big game offensively, and really the only one that did much of anything outside of Hilliard's uh, two-base hit was C.J. Crone, who, get used to it, folks, did not make an out today. Singled in the first, walked in the third, singled in the sixth, and hit a 415-foot home run, a solo home run in the eighth that any other night in a closer ball game, perhaps, maybe if it's 5-1, maybe 6-1, maybe the Rockies have somewhat of a resurgence here, and maybe it gets a little bit closer. Maybe they do end up tying it up. Maybe they do end up winning. But at the time of Crone's home run in the eighth inning, it was already nine to one. So nine to two at that point really only puts a small dent into things. That is, of course, CJ Crone's ninth home run of the season. He leads the National League in home runs and is tied at the top of all of Major League Baseball with two pretty good players for the New York Yankees, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge. Defensively, two more double plays for the Rockies. Excuse me, three more double plays tonight. Two were while 
Urban Marquez was on the hill for the season. It's 34 double plays total, but 30 ground ball double plays on the season, most in Major League Baseball. We should be used to that by now because since 2018, Colorado Rockies have the most double plays of any variety, just double plays in general, right? We're talking about the the sack fly or what should be a sacrifice fly to left, center, or right. Runner goes to tag up, throw him out at the plate. Boom, you get that done. Or on the uh, steal of second base, you get a line drive to Charlie Blackman in right field. The runner's got to turn back to first base. You throw him out. That's a double play, but not a ground ball or a ground out double play or a GIDP ground into a double play. But nevertheless, Rockies have the most kind of interesting that Kansas City is second on that list since 2018, since the start of the 2018 season, partially because Rockies, Royals, they both have the largest outfields of all the 30 stadiums. And so, again, we're talking about ground balls to the infield, not talking about the large expanse of grass there at both Kauffman and Coors Field. In the bullpen, let's talk about those guys. Uh, They did all right. Again, when Herman Marquez is giving up seven runs in five innings, it's pretty much all she wrote, I think, in many ways. Ty Block Block comes on four, three innings pitched. That's now the second longest outing in relief by a Rockies reliever, and he's got both of those. Came in in the first, and Cesar Hernandez got a single, and you thought, "Uh uh-oh, top of the lineup. Juan Soto's coming up. We could have a lot more traffic, a lot more runs, but no, he does get the 4-6-3 double play against Juan Soto. That was a big spot. Does give up two runs that next inning, so that goes on his ledger. No walks, no strikeouts. Again, no home runs to go along with that mighty fine outing for the man we know as the Little Cat. Justin Lawrence pitches the ninth, one inning, two hits, does give up a run, does give up a walk, but does a nice job there facing the middle of the Nationals lineup, faces six guys, leaves two stranded, but does get two big strikeouts of Yadiel Hernandez and Kiebert Ruiz, who had a really good day at the plate. He was three for five, and actually that second strikeout was courtesy of Victor Robles, uh, who made a nice play in the outfield. Speaking of nice plays, I do got to give a tip of the cap to Sam Hilliard, who really early on in the game, he, I don't know if he robbed a homer per se. I didn't get a great look at the video. Is undoubtedly extra bases, a leaping catch up against the wall there off the bat of Juan Soto, who was plenty animated throughout the night uh, in, in various ways. As I said, hits that home run to lead off the fifth against Marquez, the final nail in the coffin. That one traveled 414 feet. Josh Bell went out at 368 feet. And, you know, Rockies, you got to tip your cap to the Nationals. That's that's at least what Buddy said in the postgame. You know, Eric Fetty was very much on his game. Seven innings pitched, only give up those six hits. Uh, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. He was on the corners of the strike zone. He was, he was painting the black all throughout. Home plate umpire Will Little, I thought, did a, a nice job overall. So no discrepancies with the strike zones. It really was just a matter of, Edmen Marquez just not being at his best overall. And and that's unfortunate. They need him to be much better than that. They just need him to, to keep the team in games. And you know, when you get a nine ERA over your last four starts, that obviously is not happening. So 
that is, is a bit troublesome. So we'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. We might even have some time to go through our favorite City Connect jerseys that have been put out there. We know the Rockies have a date coming up very, very soon. In fact, at the end of this month, we should see that City Connect jersey by Nike and get a taste of it. We've already seen images of the socks. If you haven't seen those, you can go over to our Twitter account at DNVR underscore Rockies. In fact, probably if you just search on Twitter, that handle at DNVR underscore Rockies, City Connect and socks and Rockies, we got all those keywords in there. You can go ahead and get a taste of what those socks look like. And you go, well, how come the sock t- socks tell you anything about the jersey? Well, the socks are green. And that's been, you know, long rumored to be that color that would look so good. It would pop. Some of you have those older jackets, uh, Coors Field jackets from, you know, the 90s that group together the green and the purple. Even have a little bit of red in there for the, for the brick, for the facade. Uh, here at Coors Field, although it's more of an orange than anything, but you know, nevertheless, we'll we'll break all that down. We'll have a great uh, post game series wrap up and recap on Thursday with Brendan. Vote may even have a couple other guests as we get ahead to the weekend series in Arizona, starting on Sunday night, Monday. Of next week, I will actually be in San Francisco traveling to see the Rockies there play the Giants at what is now referred to as Oracle Park. You may know it as Pac Bell. You may know it as AT&T Park. China Basin is is also another catch-all term to describe that ballpark, but we'll be bringing you plenty of exclusives coming from that. We did have an article dropping on Tuesday about, you know, the great weekend and really the great day, the great game that not going to say that it was some kind of resurgence or it was a coming out party, but it certainly was a pivotal moment and a pivotal day in the careers of both Brendan Rogers and Elioris Montero. So make sure you're checking that out over on the dnvr.com. That is only 50 cents for your first month. And if you're ready to go all in with the annual membership, you get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. It could be any of our new Colorado Avalanche shirts, you know, they won big on Tuesday night, had an amazing watch party. You probably saw a couple clips from that. We'll have a watch party again on Thursday night. Uh, so depending on when you get there, you might even see Susie, myself, Brendan Vote, wrapping up our post-game Rockies show before the Avs take the ice. I'm sure we'll probably be passing ships in the night there, but we'd love to hang out with you and do that. But yes, you do get a free shirt at dnvrlocker.com with that annual membership. So feel free to tap in on that. Susie's got an article dropping on Wednesday, depending on when you listen to this. Boom, you might already have that available to you to check out. So uh, I definitely recommend you do that. It's it's a free article, in fact. So uh, if you just listen to this podcast and you're not a member who gets a member-sized beer on the corner of Colfax and York at the DNVR bar, well, you are in luck. It's a freebie. It's a real cool story. Uh, about some of the sound bites that Chris Bryant put out there over the weekend, talking about his injuries, talking about you know his approach going forward here. Obviously, he's started off on the wrong foot injury-wise. That's not his fault. Uh, is it the fault of the beds in his five-star hotel? He talks about that. It has a bunch of really funny quips, and so I think you know that that's the the focus of the article. He does that a lot. He has a way of 
well, he doesn't put his foot in his mouth, but he does have a way of coming up with a funny line, sometimes intentionally, sometimes maybe as it's coming out of his mouth, he realizes, okay, that might be a little goofy or that might be a little comical, whatever it is. Susie talks about all that and more. So that's a really enjoyable one. And of course, of course, we will preview the matchup on Wednesday between two left-handers, Austin Gomber and Patrick Corbin. Two guys where you say, all right, well, Corbin's got a really good pedigree. Gomber's pitched really good his last couple times out. Had a really solid 2021 season overall. And he even had a stretch of, I want to say it might have even been 11 games where, you know, had had a sub three ERA for a stretch of nine games. He had like a sub two ERA. So he really got himself into a groove, gets himself plenty of fast balls. And yes, yeah, sometimes the ball might be in the air, but it's generally a pop-up and not a, a deep drive. So that's going to be a good matchup from a guy who's making about $24 million a year in Patrick Corbin to a guy who is still making the league minimum in Austin Gomber. So interesting comparison between those two. We'll have all that breakdown and a couple bets that you may want to look in on DraftKings Sportsbook app if you want to get in on the action, those over-unders on hits. We'll see what happens over-unders on home runs. Runs scored in total. We'll break all of that down and more, and and hopefully we'll be able to talk about a series win. Rockies would need to win the next two games here following Tuesday's 10-2 loss. Hopefully Gomber can get them on track. And then in Game 3, the sixth and final one for the Rockies here at home against the Nationals and in their homestand before they head out into the road to Arizona, you've got Antonio Sensatella on Thursday against Aaron Sanchez. Also, don't want to forget to give a tip of the cap to a couple minor leaguers. Uh, if you went out and uh, you consume all your Patrick Lyons content out there, I don't know if you do or not. Uh, you probably shouldn't. It's, uh, it, it's not always that great. Uh, I, I know I'm self-deprecating here, but I did have a really good time on, on the uh, Rocks Pile Pebble Report with Justin uh, and Kenneth there over there on Purple Row. But we talked about some of these guys, uh, the best Aprils. Well, the Rockies at all four of their affiliates, believe it or not, had a player of the week. That's right. Every, every opportunity they had, they had a player doing it. We know Witten Bernard was absolutely fantastic. Uh, ended up mentioning him on an article on Sunday for how great he had been playing. Well, sure enough, he was named the player of the week in the Pacific Coast League. You also had uh, him hitting 391 with three doubles and three home runs, 12 RBI. Not bad for a guy who was ultimately left on the bench on opening day for the Isotopes. He's 31 years old, maybe not a true prospect per se, but he is a true gentleman, a great human being. We talked to him this offseason. Go back and check out that podcast. Again, keyword search, Wynton Bernard. Go on the DNVR Sports channel on YouTube and you can see that interview for yourself. Really great guy. Someone to root for. Uh, we know you're already rooting for Ezekiel Tovar, everybody's favorite Rockies prospect these days. He hit 478, nearly 500 over the course of an entire week in the Eastern League with the Hartford Yogurts. Two dribbles, two home runs, one of which was a walk-off, four RBI. That young man is really turning some heads. I would not be shocked. I don't think this is a hot take to say, oh, he'll be in AAA at, at some point this season. But, you know, is it going to be for the final month 
of the season, or will it be for the entire second half? That will truly be the question for Tovar. So he's been exciting. And hi, Spokane, guy who should get a little bit of love. I know a little uh, polish has been taken off of him. In, in recent years, 2020 was rough to him. But second baseman Eddie Diaz batted 452, two doubles, a home run, eight RBI. I believe he does lead the Northwest League in stolen bases. Always been a fast guy, a speed merchant. Came up as a shortstop, kind of transitioned over there at second base. Been doing a really nice job up there with Spokane. Uh, setting the table a little bit for Zach Veen and Drew Romo for them to do their things. And then finally, a guy who is also a shortstop, 19 years old, a full two years younger than the other gentleman in his level in the California League. The, for the Fresno Grizzlies, we're talking about shortstop Adel Amador, batted an even 500. How about that? Two doubles, four home runs, had a two-home run game. Love that out of a switch hitter. Eight RBI, excuse me, seven RBI. So, man. Adel Amador has been pretty fantastic. And you know what? We're also going to give a shout-out to Ryan Feldner. He's not the player of the week, but he did make his first start back down in Albuquerque after that really solid, really solid start there in Philadelphia. He improved to 3-0. Now has a 3.20 ERA uh, following an afternoon game there in Oklahoma City, I believe, Allowed just two runs on two hits over five innings. So fantastic job by a guy who got squeezed out, unfortunately, because the 28-man roster, as we know, became a 26-man roster. And boom, there you have it. The rotation is healthy. You don't need a guy like Ryan Feldner. Do you need a long reliever? You hope you don't. But you got a couple in Godot and, and Block. And so for Feltner, he needs to continue to make those starts. You remember he got called up last year from AA and... Didn't really get a full season there in AAA to see what those veteran quadruple-A bats were like, right? Those guys who, you know, they're not double-A prospects, and, you know, there might not even be prospects at all because they're older guys. They can't hang in the big leagues, but they're certainly better than a lot of the AAA talent. Well, you you got to learn how to beat those guys on the mound or in the box, depending on which side of the ball you're on. So it's really great, really great for Feltner to have that success since he was a guy that the Rockies probably had him maybe eighth or ninth in the depth chart in the starting rotation. And with Rawlison and Peter Lambert out, he moves up quickly. And they're going to most certainly need him again. Got a couple doubleheaders in San Diego coming up at some point this year. We'll see what happens with any rainouts, if that will uh, rear its head, but two doubleheaders guaranteed against St. Louis since we know the start of the season got scratched away. That's why Colorado will be in L.A. for six games against the Dodgers to close out the season. We did also learn that it does appear that Colton Welker's shoulder injury they keep him out for a while. We'll kind of see what happened. Is this more of a month-long type issue, or is it multiple months? We'll kind of wait and see what happens here in the early stages of his recovery. But we're not going to be seeing Colton Welker for a bit in Albuquerque, certainly not in Coors Field. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully those guys are okay. It's, it's a bummer that the guys in the minors have been taking those injury hits. Uh, you need that depth. but Hey, the Rockies at the big league level have you know fared pretty well injury wise. You know, besides the COVID IL guys in the beginning of the season, which you know 
wasn't too much of an issue because you were able to call up Justin Lawrence, Jordan Sheffield. Sheffield didn't even get into a game. But nevertheless, those two guys didn't really impact the club negatively because of that lost roster depth. Uh, you had Gary Hampson on the IL for exactly 10 days. And now you've got Chris Bryant, who will kind of wait and see what happens. But he could be activated as early as Friday in Arizona. All indications are that that may happen. Maybe it'll be Saturday, but that may actually go down on Friday. So, shoot, Rockies have been pretty fortunate when it's been coming to the injured list. So that's been going well for them, and we hope on Wednesday they can get back on the track following Tuesday night's 10-2 to loss. Please make sure you're following us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. Follow the Susie Hunter at the Susie Hunter on Twitter and make sure you're subscribed to the dnvr.com now only 50 cents for your first month this has been fantastic thanks for sticking around for this somewhat short one I ended up getting some length I got some depth out of this post game recap but you can get a full length edition where it's mostly evergreen anything that we talked about for the first 40 minutes or so on the second podcast that dropped on Tuesday. The first one was recorded on Monday with Drew Goodman. Well, the second one that you got on Tuesday, hey, all that stuff is true, and we probably could have dropped it and saved it on Wednesday morning for you right now as you're listening to this, but we said, no, let's get it out right away, and then let's get you an even another one on top of that. So if you like what we're doing in this uh, during the season with some of these later ball games and these pregame shows, please give us a review anywhere you listen to this podcast. Believe it or not, it goes a very very long way we really appreciate all of that love it's been great it's been wonderful but you know what they say about momentum it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast so we'll talk to you then